Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Man, we just came around this word so, S-O-W, so, and we thought, let's, let's take this word so and the idea of sowing the seed of God's word into the good soil of our heart. And what will that produce? Not knowing that God, you know, was going to bring about certain things and experiences that we've had uh, in this year, but yet allowing those experiences to um, to be used along with the words of God to be used to produce things in our in our life, things like love and joy and peace. And we found we look at those in Galatians five twenty two, and we talk about that what what we want to produce as followers of Jesus, what we want to produce as as Christians. Christians, as those of us put our faith in Jesus, is the fruit of the fruit of, of the Spirit of God wants to produce in us love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. And so today we're going to begin uh, what it looks like to have that fruit of or that aspect of the fruit of faithfulness in in our life. The Apostle Paul addressed this uh, in in one of his letters that he wrote to a church in Corinth. And uh, it's, it's, it says in 1 Corinthians 4, 1, he says, This is how one should regard us. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And so he's, Paul, the Apostle Paul is saying this is what people should see when they see us. This is what people should observe when they see us. Um, that idea of servant is a, is a word that he used, a Greek word that he used, what he describes as what he calls under rowers. Under rowers is what is the what he described in that. He says, so when people see us, they should see us as servants. And when he uses that word servant, he says they should see us as, as under rowers. And what he was given an example of, he was given an example of a, of a ship um, that would, would be navigating through the waters. And at that t- day and age, they would have slaves or servants that would be on the bottom of the, of the boat. And they would be the ones that were rowing away and, 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 and you know, taking the boat in the direction where the captain wants it to go. This is the picture of, of that, that Paul gives about who we are when people see us. They should see us as servants. They should see us as under rowers. They should see us as that Jesus is our captain. Jesus is the one that's navigating this. Jesus is the one that's setting the course. And we're just the servants that are under rowing. We're just the servants that are, that are you know, taking the wherever the captain wants the ship to go. That's what we're going to we're going to do. This is the imagery. This is the picture that the Apostle Paul gives. He says, this is what people should see in us. Go back to the verse if if you could. He says, not only should he see us as servants, but he also says, and stewards of the mysteries of God. And the mysteries of God, just to save us some time, the mysteries of God was, was simply this, that God was going to put his spirit inside of us, that the presence of God was going to be in us. This was a mystery. They were trying to figure out how God was going to transform us, how God was going to give us a new heart. And people, it was just, this was a mystery to people, but that mystery was solved when the Spirit of God came upon us, when we put our faith in Christ, that the person of Jesus comes and lives inside of us. That's the mystery. He says, so as the, as the, we're, we're to be stewards of that. We're to be stewards of that. Here, a steward is somebody that manages everything for the master. That's what a steward is. He says, listen, when people see us, 
They should see that we're under rowers, that we're servants. He's the captain. He's the master. And whatever the master says to do, he says, I want you to manage everything for the master. That's what we're called to be. Servants, stewards of whatever God asks us to manage. Whatever the master asks us to manage. And then look what he says in verse 2. Moreover, it is required of stewards. What are we supposed to do as stewards? Manage the master's stuff. That they be found faithful. That's what the requirement of a, somebody who is a steward of the mysteries of God, a steward of, a servant of God. They're, they're to be found faithful, period. They're not anything other, other than, there's no other requirements. When, when you strip all of the requirements down, when it comes to being a servant, when it comes to being a steward of the mysteries of God, there's one requirement that we have, and that is to be found faithful. To be found faithful. So Paul gives an example of this. Verse 6, he says, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and to Apollo. So he's now giving the church an, an example. He's giving the church an illustration. He says, I want you to apply this just like I'm, I'm going to apply this for you. He says, I want you to apply this to, you know, to myself and to Apollos for your sake so that in us you may learn not to exceed what is written so that no one, no one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one against the other. See, what was happening was, is that the church in Corinth was saying, I'm with Paul. And then, and then others in the church were going, well, I like Apollos better. And others were going, well, I like Paul's teaching. And others were going, well, I like what Apollos does. I like, you know, Paul's personality versus Apollos. And so they were trying to create this, this gap or this divide between these two. And Paul's going, listen, we're, we're servants together. You're, you're trying to pin us up against each other. You're trying to take sides in, in, in things. He's like, and we're, but we're, we're united. We're together on this. He goes, I want to use this as an example. And so he starts asking them questions. He starts asking them questions. Look what he says. For who regards you as superior? He's going, listen, listen. Who, come on, come on. Who thinks that you have it all together? And if they really knew you, would they think that? This is a good, these are good questions to ask, you know. If, if, they really, if somebody actually saw what was in our hearts, if somebody actually saw those moments when, you know, you're not, those moments that you're not proud of, would they really regard you as somebody superior? Would they really regard you as somebody important? He asked another question, same verse. Do you have that you did not receive? Do you have that which you did not even receive? And in other words, he's saying, what do you think, where do you think that anything that you have, where do you think that that actually comes from? Like, what do you think that, that, that where that actually comes from? You know, like what you have in your life, your, 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 your relationships, you know, your marriage, your, your children, your, you know, your, your, your finances, you, you know, your career, your, you, you know, your house and your, your, your stuff and the things that you value is important. He says, where do you actually think that that comes from? 
And then he asked the third question. And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? In other words, why are you acting so proud as if you manufactured any of those things yourself? As if like the job that you have or the money that you bring in or, you know, or the relationship where you're at with your, in your marriage or the stat where you're at with your kids. Like, where do you think that you get that anyways? Like, why do you think that that's something that you manufactured? And, and John the Baptist just plainly speaks of this and he answers all of this for us in one statement. And he says this in John 3, 27. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. So here's the thing. And I, as a pastor, I, I just, I, I'm just, can I, can I just be transparent with you for a second? As a pastor, I have pastor insecurities. I do. I do. I have pastor insecurities. I do. You know, here's the challenge that I have as a pastor. At the, at the, Type at the tip of your fingers, you can go and you can find a better pastor than me. Like you can search anywhere in the world, you could, especially in, you know, pandemic church, COVID church world, and especially like you can just like stay home. And I, and I, I hope if you stay home, stay safe. That's what, what I want you to do. If the, if, if, but listen, you can find a pastor. And I have these insecurities like, oh man, what if, you know, man, out there, there's like great preachers out there, right? I mean, there's like guys that have like, they're better looking, they dress better, you know, <laughs> they wear nicer shoes, you know, um, they don't just shop at Target, you know, like all of these things that you can go out there and look for yourself and go, yeah, wow, man, they're better looking, they don't sweat as much, they have nicer hair, they have better teeth, you know, all these things that I have as a, as a preacher that I know that is accessible to everybody. But listen, listen, when, it, when Paul is saying, listen, that's not what this is about. This is not about anything about, you know, where your insecurities come from and things that you're insecure about. Like, you know, all of us do this, right? I mean, we, we are insecure when it comes to things that we see on social media, right? We look at what other marriages are doing you know like oh why do they get to go on that trip honey why can't we go on this trip or you know we look at uh, you know what you know families are doing and you know the places that they're you know taking their kids and and the way that their kids are behaving because we have these little short you know snapshots of, of life and these highlights that people post on their social media and we look at these things and we go why can't I have that why can't I have that why can't I do that so the apostle Paul is saying, listen, this is not about comparing and competing. This is not about me versus Apollos or Apollos versus me. Because anything that Apollos has was been given by God. Anything that I have was just given by God. Anything that Pastor Chris has was just given by God. Anything that some other pastor has was given by God. Anything that you have was given by God. Anything that somebody else, another mom has, was given by God. Another husband has was given by God. Another job that somebody else has was given by God. The job that you have was given by God. The amount of money that somebody else was, is given was given by God. The amount of money that you have was all given by God. So Paul's saying, what's the point of all this comparing and competing? 
What's the point? Because John the Baptist would say, it's all given by God. It's all given by God. Let me see if I can illustrate it real quick. Um, Livy, can you help me out for a second? Come on up, come on up, come on up. Come on up, hurry up, hurry, 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 hurry. All right, stand right here, stand right here, stand right here. All right, so um, perfect. You're doing great, doing great so far. So I've got this piece of pie here, okay? Here's your plate, okay? Okay, here's your piece of the pie right there, okay? Does that sound good? Okay, Chrissy, can you help me out for a second? Can you help me out for a second? Okay, Chrissy, come on, come on. Yeah, oh, thank you for putting your mat. Oh, look at that, so, oh, wow, you're so considerate. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There, you got your plate? Okay, so you got your piece of the pie? Okay. Okay, there's your piece of the pie. There you go. Uh, Jake, come here for a second. Jake, come here, come here, come here, Jake. Come here, Jake. Okay, Jake, come on. Awesome, awesome. You guys are so considerate. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, Jake, here's your, you know what? You don't need that plate. Here you go. You can just have, you can just have that. So you got that piece, and you got that piece. Okay, Jake, and you got your piece, right? Okay, all right. You guys like, you guys like Ready Whip? You like Ready Whip? Liv, you like Ready Whip? Well, that's too bad. Okay. Here you go. There you go. There's yours. Okay. Jake, you ready? There you go. Oh, oh, oh. Somebody needs a somebody needs a fork. Uh, here you go, Jake. You get the fork. Here's what we learn at a young age. Here's what we learn. Life isn't fair. Right? I mean, Livy's going, wait a minute. Like, wait, you give me that? And then Chrissy's like, well, well, that's a good size, but it's not that. Like, she's like, I'm, that's good, but I wanted that. And then, like, you didn't even get any whipped cream. Like, you got a dab. You, were, you probably were like, well, that's not fair, because he got, like, a pile of it. He got a pile. It, this is, this is the, the, thought, the thought process when it comes to all of us in, in our faith. We think when it comes to life, we think it's just not fair. Some people get that piece of the size of pie. Some people get that size piece of pie. And other people get that piece of pie. You know what? Here's, here's what Jake will, is, was never thinking. Here's what Jake was never thinking. Jake was never thinking life isn't fair. Because Jake got the biggest piece of the pie. Isn't that interesting? He wasn't looking at her piece or her piece and going, well, that's not fair. How come I got? No, Jake was like, sweet. I'm like, this is awesome. Like I get this much pie and this much ready whip. This is amazing. This is how we feel when it comes to life. And we learn this at a young age. Life simply isn't fair. Some get that, some get that, and others get that. And why didn't Livy, Livy didn't even get the fork. Like, she, it's, it's just how, she didn't even get the fork. This is how it works when it comes to life. We think, man, I only got that, or I only got that, or I only got that. And we start competing, and we start comparing with one another based on, and it had nothing, this is so important, it had nothing to do with them. It had everything to do with me. 
I was the one that was distributing. I was the one that was giving. The question is, the question is this. If you're watching at home, the question is this. What are you going to do with what you were given? What are you going to do with what you were given? It had nothing to do with any of them. It had everything to do with the one that was the giver. They were just the receivers. And so their responsibility is simply this. And your responsibility is simply this. How can I be a steward of what I was given? It's not because he's any better. It's not because she's any better. And it's not because she's any worse. It's just simply God says, listen, I'm going to give to them what I think is best for them in their life because God always knows what's best for us. And the question for you have to decide is this. What do I do with what God gives me? What do I do with what God gives me? And Paul answers that question simply this, that, that you are found to be faithful. You're found to be faithful. So, the, so the, their, their responsibility is just to be faithful with what they have. You guys can eat that. You guys can put it down, whatever you want to do with it. Thank you for your help. Give, thank you for your help. In the room, give them a round of applause. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Paul's point was that. What's the point of comparing and competing when, when it comes to what we hold in our hands has to do with what God gives us? What's the point of thinking that we're superior What's the point of thinking that whatever we received was something that we manufactured on our own? He says, what's the point of that? What's the point of looking at somebody else's you know, social media page or looking at somebody else's marriage or somebody else's relationships or finances or, you know, or career and going, well, how come I didn't? Well, you know, and we can get so caught up in that. We can get so caught up in that where God really simply only asks us to be faithful, to have faithfulness when it comes to whatever it is that he gives me. Jesus tells a story, it was a parable. Jesus commonly told parables. And Jesus illustrates this point for us perfectly. And look what Jesus says in Matthew 25. He says this, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey, and he called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. So this idea of stewarding. He said, here's a, you know, a, a guy who's going to go on a journey and he, and he calls his servants, his under rowers, if you will. He calls them and he entrusts them with his possessions. He gives them, he says, listen, these are mine, but I'm going to let you, I'm going to have you steward them. I'm going to trust you with them. I'm, I want you to be found trustworthy. I want you to be found faithful with them. Then look what he says, verse 15. To the one he gave five talents, to the other two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Now, one talent is about 20 years worth of wages. One talent is worth 20 years worth of wages. So this guy was a, was a rich guy who entrusted all of these guys with a lot. One talent, even one talent, was 20 years wages. 20 years wages. So, verse 16. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and he gained five more talents. Verse 17. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. Verse 18. 
But, the, but he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Pause. This is where we live right now. This is where we live right now. Right now, we live in a, in, a, in a time where God has entrusted us with things. God has given us things to steward. He's given us opportunities. He's given us responsibility to steward these things. This is where we're at. To some, he gave five talents. To some, he gave two talents, and to some he gave one talent based on our ability. Did it, anything that you manufactured? No. Anything that we, you know, did on, on our own merit or our own abilities? No. Based on our ability that God sees in us, he says, listen, I'm trusting you with these things, whether it's even or not, whether it's fair or not, I'm trusting you with these things. One day, in this next verse, verse 19, now after a long time, now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then he goes on and says this, the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents saying, master, you've entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. And then next verse, his master said to him, look at this, look at this. Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things and I will put a few things. Wait a minute, a few things? He gave them five talents. Each talent is 20 years wages and God is calling it a few things? He says, you are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. You mean more than what you already gave me, God? You're going to put me in charge of many things? He says, enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22. Also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you have entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. So it's not like he's like, he only gained, you know, one guy gained now 10 talents. This guy's saying, I gained two more talents. He's only got four talents. But look at the responses. His master said to him, well done. Well done. I didn't ask you to try to gain just as many as the first guy because I gave the first guy more. I didn't ask you to gain, you know, 10 talents and even the score up because it's not about competing and it's not about comparing. It's about just being faithful with what you have and what you've been entrusted with. He says, well done. Good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Now here's the third guy. And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Here's the excuses, right? Here's the excuses. Oh, you know, master, I, I, you just have a reputation, right? It's your fault. It's your fault. This is where we start blaming the master. We start blaming God. Well, if you would have, you know, given me more opportunity, if you would have given me more responsibility, if you're going to just entrust me more, if you, 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 we start blaming God for what we lack. 
And he says this, he says, you, you knew that I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed, verse 25. And I was afraid, and I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. He says, I, I just was, I was so afraid, so I just decided that I was going to just bury it. I was, I was, a, I was a too afraid to take any kind of risks. So I just decided to take no risks. I was too afraid that, you know, that I was going to fail. I was too afraid to fail, so I just didn't do anything. And what happened was is that it paralyzed me. I was so, anxiety caused me to be paralyzed to where I didn't do anything. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, it, help, it, it, it encourages us to make bad decisions. So when we're too afraid to fail... It pushes us to make bad decisions. Look what, it says. Look what happens in the next verse, next verse. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. He was like saying, you were, just, you were just lazy about it. You, you were afraid to fail, and so you didn't do anything. You were, either, you were either faithful or unfaithful. That's where the two categories are. You're either faithful or or you're unfaithful. Faithful do something. Unfaithful do nothing. Faithful do something and unfaithful do nothing. He says you were lazy. You didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. As a matter of fact, you, you made a terrible decision because at least you could have, look what he says in verse 27. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank and on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Like you just buried it. Why didn't you at least put it in the bank so at least got gathered interest? And we all understand that concept. But instead, because you were too afraid to fail and you were too caught up in what little you had and you were too caught up in competing with somebody else or comparing your life to somebody else that you were making bad decisions and the anxiety and the fear and the worry caused you to be paralyzed and to doing absolutely nothing with what God gave you, with what God gave you. Maybe he asked this question. Maybe he asked this question. Maybe you've asked this question. Why does it matter if I miss an opportunity that God has given me? Why does it matter? Why does it matter if, you know, maybe I miss opportunity or miss responsibility or God has entrusted me with something and, you know, I miss that. Why, why does it matter if I miss an opportunity that God has given me? Here's why it matters, because Jesus answers why it matters. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. Now, that doesn't even sound fair. Why didn't, even, why didn't God go, here, take that one talent that you buried instead of investing, but you should have like, you know, at least put it into a bank for interest's sake. He's like, why, give that one talent. Why didn't he give it to the guy that only had four talents, right? He would have had, at least now he would have had five, but instead he gives it to the guy that already has 10 talents. Like, it's like, that doesn't even seem fair. But he's like, he's like, this is what happens. When you and I think, when we miss opportunities, what happens was God, God won't entrust us with other opportunities. He won't entrust us with other opportunities. That's why it's important. Why is it important that we don't miss opportunities? Because God, you want God to keep trusting you with opportunities in your life. And look what else he says. Now, this, is, this was a tough one. 
Throw out the worthless slave into, into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, there's, there's two things here. There's two things that are debated. Number one is this. He's saying, those of us that can't even be faithful with a little, they're not even Christians in the first place. Those of us that can't understand that God would just give me a little bit and I'm not going to even do anything with the opportunities that God has given me. I'm not going to be responsible with the opportunities that God gives me. The one side of the argument says they weren't even a, a Christian in the first place. Because if anybody truly understands, even if it's just one talent, if anybody truly understands that it's God who gives you opportunity, it's God who gives you responsibility. It's God who gives to you financially. It's God who gives to you relationally. It's God that gives to you, you know, when it comes to your career and your job. If you don't understand that all of it is, comes from God and everything that you've received in your life comes from God, if you don't get that concept, they're saying you're probably not a Jesus follower in the first place. That's one side. The other side says Jesus is saying this. He's saying this. When you don't, when you miss opportunity, when you miss opportunity, when you don't take responsibility for whatever it is that God has given you, whether it's one, whether it's five, or whether it's two, when you miss those opportunities, it is is like it's as if you're left in the dark on things. It's as if you're outside of the plan and the purposes and the direction that God has for your life. You're in the dark, in the dark, in the dark. And your, your life your, will only be a life of frustration. It will only be what he describes as weeping and gnashing of teeth. It would just be like, why can't, why don't things work out the way that I want them to work out? Your, your life will just be a life of sorrow and frustration. That's the other side. Either way, either way, we don't want to miss an opportunity and we want to be responsible with whatever it is that God has given you and me. And it's all different. Because we don't either want to be frustrated or we don't want to find ourselves on the outside of life with God forever. So what, the question is, what am I going to do with the opportunity that God has given me? What am I going to do with the time that God has given me? What am I going to do with the treasures that God has given me? What am I going to do with the talents and abilities and the spiritual giftings that God has entrusted me with? What am I going to do with the things that God has given me to do in the time that I have? When that long time ends and, that, and he comes back again, what am I going to do with that time? What am I going to do? And here's what we need to always understand. The amount of opportunity is uneven. It's uneven. We have to come to terms with that. 
Other people might have greater other opportunities than you have. Other people might have greater financial privileges than you have. Other people might have, you know, an easier time navigating through marriages and dealing with their kids than what you have. What the point is this, the amount of opportunity is uneven. And God doesn't fix the unfairness of life. He doesn't deal with the unfairness of life. But what he does require of you and me, he requires us to be found faithful in it. That's what he requires. He doesn't fix the unfairness of life. Your piece of pie might be small compared to somebody else's piece of pie. That, that he doesn't fix that problem. All he says is this. I just want you to take whatever piece of pie size that I give you, and I want you to be found faithful with it. I want you to be found faithful with it. And the other thing that we need to know as we talk about faithfulness, that we're going to be accountable. You and I are going to be accountable for what you do with your opportunity. We're going to be accountable. The time that we have here, the, the stuff that we have in our possession, the relationships that we have with our life, our careers, our finances, our families, all of it, our health, all of it, all of it, we're going to be held accountable for. Because God gave you opportunity and God gave you responsibility. And we're going to be held accountable for it. And here's what you need to know when it comes to faithfulness. It's not about being successful. It's not about being successful in people's eyes. It's not about Paul, I'm Paul, and Apollos is Apollos. It's not about being successful in people's eyes. It's about being faithful in God's eyes. That's what God is looking for when he comes back. So you can either be a five-talent person. You could be a two-talent person, which I think a lot of us, where a lot of us are in life, we're two-talent people, many of us. You could be a one-talent person. But the question is, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with whatever it is that God has entrusted you with? with? And what God is looking for as we talk about specific things over the next few weeks, what God is looking for, he's looking for you to be faithful. He's looking for you to be faithful. He's not even looking for you to always be successful. He's looking for you to be faithful with whatever it is that you have, that you didn't manufacture on your own, that you didn't, because of your intellect or your hard work, but because of what God has allowed you to hold in your hands. What are you going to do with it? He wants you to be found faithful with it. Let's pray. Father, that's what you require. You require this from your servants, from stewards, of the things that we manage for you in this time that we have here. Until one day you come back and you're going to settle the account. You're going to ask us about what did we do with the time, 
in the resources, in the relationships? What did we do with what you allowed us to have in our life? Were we faithful? Were we faithful with it? Or were we lazy? Were we afraid to fail and so we did nothing? Were we paralyzed by worries so we did nothing? Were we too concerned about what other people thought so we did nothing? Were we too busy competing and comparing with somebody else so we did nothing? We did nothing. And God, you have one requirement for all of us, and that is just to be faithful, to be faithful. Even if we have a small piece of the pie or the biggest piece of the pie, the the requirement is all the same. To use that opportunity and to be responsible with the opportunities that you give us because they're all yours anyways. They all come from you anyways. And I pray that every single person that is watching online or in the room, I pray, God, that they know that. So they're not frustrated with life. They're not left in the dark when it comes to things that are important in this life. And more importantly, they're not not on the outside of eternal life because we missed We miss the point of what we have here and why we exist here. I pray, Lord, that none of us miss that. None of us miss that. And are responsible and are good stewards and are faithful servants so that one day we can hear from you, well done, well done, well done. I pray that's our desire. Every one of us that are watching, listening, well done, good and faithful servant. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.